Okay, I'm heading up to the biology building. Check out this water fountain. I'm gonna try and do this pretty quick because I am double parked as f We're pregnant. Bro, do you even live? I can't eat another one. One is usually bigger than the other. It tastes awful. It won't hurt a Wait, bit. Why is it leaking? Did you Whoa, hear that? That's that smell. was not oh, there yesterday. Have a second of it's it's totally my natural hair color. Deadly. I'm Terrell. And I'm Iris. Welcome to Health Science for the Rest of Us, a podcast where we take a super practical look at the body, its shenanigans, and the world of fascinating ways we try and keep it healthy. This definitely won't replace a trip to your doctor's office, but it may help you make heads or tails of how to live in your body better. More important than that, this podcast will help you look like a total badass at your next Facebook debate. You did it again. We can edit that later. Let's, Let's do, do this. this. Can you remember the last time you used a public water fountain? How about the last time you even saw a public water fountain? If you can remember the last time you used a public water fountain, did you happen to find yourself wondering if the water was safe to drink? Or if the fountain was safe to drink from? Well, I did. Sort of. I may or may not have thrown caution to the wind to drink from a fishy-looking water fountain this semester. But afterwards, I came away wondering if I had pushed my luck. So for this week's adventure, in order to find out if I danced with death, we got all up in that fountain's business and tried to figure out what might have gone wrong to make it produce such suspicious-looking water. I, too, have lines in this episode. Not too long ago, I was sitting in one of my biology lectures and noticed that my water bottle had gone empty. So as soon as our professor gave us a five-minute break, I used that break to make my way down the hall to one of the nearby water fountains. At first, because I wasn't paying attention, nothing seemed out of the ordinary. But as my bottle slowly filled, I noticed that the water inside looked super cloudy. Not dirty or bubbly, but cloudy. Foggy, like someone had mixed milk in there. The first thing I assumed was that some kind of chemical must have spilled into the water or that there must have been some kind of problem with the water pipes from the construction happening across the street. But the water tasted okay, so I figured it was probably all right. Did I mention that I was really thirsty? Well, I was really thirsty. So I gulped down about eight ounces before having second thoughts and deciding to dump the rest down the drain. That weekend, the time came to start thinking about how that shady water fountain might have caused the water to go from clear to cloudy. So the first red string on our investigation board involved bouncing some ideas around about whether someone could have come by and tampered with the fountain. 
or whether some sort of fungus or something could have been growing inside the fountain spout. But pretty soon, we took a break from blaming the fountain and started to consider that maybe the problem with the cloudy water was not the fountain at all, but rather the water itself. With that in mind, we lined up a bunch of possible reasons why the drinking water might have become cloudy. And as you may have guessed when you started this episode, our number one suspect was contamination. If you are one of the humans who has ever thought that cloudy or foggy water was the result of contamination, I have been instructed to tell you that you are not crazy. Many contaminants really do affect water sources, and some of them include microbes, such as norovirus, also called stomach flu, rotavirus, which gives the humans the shits, pseudomonas aeruginosa, which can cause pneumonia, ear infections, and skin rashes in people with weakened immune systems, and Legionella subspecies, which causes a flu-like illness called Legionellosis. Gross. Right away, it became clear that there are lots of ways for drinking water to contain extra ingredients that should not be in there. What wasn't clear though was whether these ingredients could also be the reason why the fountain water changed colors. But you couldn't tell me that, at least not at first, because I had hedged all my bets on blaming the microbes and had settled down to relax after a job well done. Not long after though, the excitement of solving the mystery faded away completely because as we continued digging, we came across a small but mighty piece of information that sent us right back to the drawing board. You see, the whole time I was gearing up to blame microbes, a certain game-changing detail had been staring us right in the face. And that detail was the fact that microbes in drinking water do not usually change its color. Even if microbes had been in the water in the fountain that I used, they would not have explained why the water had become cloudy. And at any rate, according to groups like the Centers for Disease Control, the likelihood of finding these microbes in my fountain water was pretty low to begin with. Because usually, when people are exposed to these particular bugs at water sources, it's because they've picked up the bugs by touching knobs or buttons at the water source, not because they drink the water there. And as if that was not enough of a reality check, we also had to consider the fact that I never got the shits after my visit to the cloudy fountain. So the more we thought about it, the more microbes were looking less and less like the answer we were searching for. With that in mind, I quit patting myself on the back and we crossed microbes off of our list of suspects which left us with plenty of time to try to blame other possible contaminants, commonly called heavy metals. Met metals. Heavy metals. Heavy, heavy metals. metals. Heavy metals. metals. Heavy metals. After microbes didn't pan out, metals seemed like a reasonable cause for the cloudy water. 
because the scariest metals, lead and copper, can bleed into water from lead and copper pipes that were built before they were outlawed by the Safe Drinking Water Act in 1986. Similar to microbes, water sources may become contaminated by naturally occurring metals, such as manganese, and iron, not just by metals from pipes, such as lead, and copper. According to the World Health Organization, these metals may give the water a metallic taste, and at high enough levels, lead and copper in the water can cause anemia, gout, hypertension, changes in nervous system function, nausea, vomiting, and diarrhea, but at low levels, lead and copper in the water are not considered dangerous to the humans. Since I didn't get sick from the fishy water, we knew we couldn't use my health condition as a way of guessing whether metals in that fountain I used was the reason for the water turning cloudy. Instead, our best bet in terms of solving our mystery was to focus on learning whatever there was to know about how metals might change the color of drinking water. Our biology building is hella old, so it seemed likely that the water in the fountain might at least contain lead or copper from the building's older pipes. Having learned our lesson from the microbe embarrassment, we continued digging with the hope that we'd have better luck with blaming metals for the cloudy water. But after reading more carefully this time, it turned out that we were, once again, barking up the wrong tree. In spite of what we were hoping to find, we eventually learned that none of the metals we were considering were found to turn drinking water cloudy. Lead in the water doesn't have a color at all, and copper in the water turns it blue. We even had to let iron and manganese off the hook because when they're in the water, they turn the water brown. Now, by this point, we weren't grasping straws or anything, but we did start fishing a bit for other contaminants that might have helped us to solve the mystery. One idea we considered was methane gas, because a methane contamination can indeed make water cloudy. But we had to scratch that option too because we learned that methane is really only a problem for water that comes from wells. And wells are definitely not where my school's water comes from. In a last-ditch effort to make the contamination idea work, we also considered the small farm on campus that our school uses for food research because in our reading, we learned that water sources found near areas with heavy farming activity may contain more nitrate salts from runoff, fertilizer, manure, and leaky septic systems, which are basically big underground poop tanks. But we were wrong again because we found that nitrates, they don't make the water cloudy either. So at this point, the game was really on because none of the ideas we had about contamination had worked out, and we were really no closer to figuring out why the fountain water might have turned cloudy. Before giving up, we decided to start from the beginning one more time, but 
on the second go around, rather than assuming that the cloudy water was caused by some accidental ingredient, we switched gears and considered whether the cloudiness could have been caused by something that had been added to the water on purpose. After not much searching, we learned that in the United States, the humans add all sorts of extra ingredients to the drinking water as part of a massive effort to make safe drinking water available to the bulk of the other humans. Most of the water found laying around is not considered safe to drink, so the humans take the water from lakes, rivers, and rainwater, and pump it out of the ground through pipe systems into water treatment plants, and then to storage tanks, and then, eventually, to places like water fountains. In order to prevent contamination from the things we mentioned earlier, the humans have to prepare the water through a series of cleaning steps. In the early steps, which are called coagulation, flocculation, and sedimentation, chemicals that bind to dirt are added to the water in order to form little clumps that fall to the bottom of the tank. Next, in a step called filtration, the water is passed out of the tanks through filters made of sand, gravel, and charcoal. We learned that this is the step that removes things like dust, parasites, bacteria, viruses, and other chemicals from the water while also leaving behind the dirt clumps, which are called flock. After that, the humans add chemicals like chlorine or chloramine, to kill germs, and fluoride, to prevent tooth decay. Sometimes the humans complete this step using ultraviolet light, or ozone gas, and in some parts of the country, the humans may also add some extra minerals and chemicals, such as phosphate, to the water, to help maintain its pH, and to help prevent the pipes from bleeding metals into the drinking water. As a side note, if you're interested, you might like to know that apparently, this particular part of the process happens to be the part that the humans in Flint, Michigan, messed up, when they switched to a water source that basically rotted their old water pipes from the inside out, and caused all that lead from the pipes to end up in the residents' drinking water. This can happen in any city that still uses old pipes without adding extra treatment to the water to prevent the pipes from bleeding. After getting over the fact that, before this adventure, I had never given much thought to where drinking water comes from, it seemed that maybe we were finally onto something. Because with all the extra chemical treatments and potential for bleeding pipes at the water plant, it seemed that something along that process was bound to be able to cause cloudy water. For reals this time. With all that tinkering going on at the water plant, it seemed that there must have been some part of that process that we would be able to point to to explain the cloudy water. Well, we kept on thinking that for a hot five minutes because as it turned out, we were wrong. Again. A deeper dive revealed that none of the chemicals used in the water treatment process change the actual color of drinking water. On top of that, we also learned that if anything fishy had been happening at the water treatment plant, I would have found out about it long before I tested fate at the school water fountain. This is because the Environmental Protection Agency requires that water treatment plants regularly test the public water for about 90 different kinds of contaminants, including high or low levels of the very chemicals they use to treat the water in the first place. 
As a further blow to my tinkering idea, we learned that the Environmental Protection Agency also requires that water plants send water quality reports to all the local residents each year so that everyone who lives in the area can keep tabs on how things are going at the plant and receive updates about any new technologies the plant is planning to use on the water. These reports get sent out once a year, but the water plants also send out public notices anytime anything unusual turns up, even if they've already fixed the problem. I live in the same zip code as my university and never received any emergency notices or saw any alerts on the news. We also didn't find anything when we checked the local water system's website for public health announcements. Once again, we were left crossing out an idea because it no longer seemed like a good one. And after all this, we were at a point where we were fresh out of scandalous explanations for why the fountain water I drink might have become cloudy. With no more dramatic ideas to explore, we decided it was time to go low-tech and start considering simple explanations instead. Surprisingly, it was once we did this that the real answer started to become clear. I was not surprised. The answer was only surprising to Terrell. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, in all of our original brainstorming, one thing we had failed to consider was a very basic but very important part of how water is housed before it comes out of the water fountain. If you haven't guessed by now, the thing we had been overlooking was the pressure and the temperature that the drinking water experiences while it's still inside the pipes. Regardless of what kinds of chemical treatments it receives or whether someone has sneezed into it, drinking water spends a fair amount of time flowing through pipes. And it turns out that in order to keep water flowing through pipes, it has to be squeezed through the pipes, which often run under the frost line in order to keep the water from freezing. The combined effect of this low temperature, high pressure environment causes the water in its gas form to be forced into its liquid form. This is similar to how soft drink companies make soda fizzy because just like with the soda inside of a closed soda bottle, all of the water in the water pipes stays in liquid form right up until the water escapes through the water fountain into a lower pressure, higher temperature environment like inside of a cup or a thirsty podcaster's water bottle. If any of that sounded like French, or if you would simply prefer to skip the chemistry lesson, just know that what finally helped us to start closing this case was the fact that the physical environment inside of water pipes can cause crystal clear water from the fountain to appear milky or cloudy once it's released into a water bottle. When it's free from the pipes, 
the water vapor that had been forced into its liquid form finally has room to escape into its gas form and then send us on a wild goose chase when the tiny bubbles it produces don't look exactly the way we think bubbles should look. The bubbles are so small that they don't look much like bubbles at all, and instead, they make water look white. This is why Terrell thought the water looked like it had milk mixed into it. Once we nailed the bubble thing, the end of the mystery seemed to be in sight. But even after all that trouble we had gone through, we weren't able to close the book on this thing just yet. And this was because there was one more suspect that we needed to rule out. That suspect was hard water. Hard water is what the humans call it when the water has picked up too many minerals from the soil. These minerals are usually calcium or magnesium in the form of limestone or chalk, and if enough of them get into the water, they will give the same milky appearance that we thought might be being caused by the bubbles. As we learned, the difference between water that turns cloudy from bubbles and water that turns cloudy from minerals is that the water with the bubbles will eventually turn clear if given enough time. Cloudy bubble water will start to clear up from the bottom of the bottle as the bubbles rise up to the top. After a while, the water is just as clear as you would expect it to be because the bubbles have all escaped. This turned out not to be the case with hard water, which stays white no matter what you do. And since I had dumped my cloudy water down the drain that day in biology class, I had no way of guessing whether the water was full of bubbles or full of minerals. We did manage to visit the U.S. Geological Survey website to look at a map showing that our part of the country is not known to have super hard water. But it still seems like a good idea to do one last check. But here we are at the water fountain. There are actually two fountains right next to each other. Neither one of them appears to have any leaking or any puddles. Uh, they both have a little bit of blue on the part where the water comes out. One has a little bit of brown on the part where the water comes out. One of them does appear to be leaking some but all of the water that's sort of trickling out of the fountain is going right down the drain. I don't see anything else unusual. One of them just started to make a noise here. Uh, I guess that's it. Nothing much other than that to report, which is kind of good because I do need to move my car and I'm also ready for falafel. After my second trip to the fountain, and before I got falafel, I put some more of the fountain water in my bottle, and when left alone, the whole thing turned clear. Mystery solved. Yes, and not a moment too soon, because I was getting really exhausted from all that disappointment. Maybe next time just call the facilities department? Well, we could have done that, and they probably would have given us an answer. 
But by exploring things for ourselves, we learn a lot of valuable extras along the way. Truth. One of the extras we learned was the fact that if we're worried about getting sick from water fountains, we should avoid water fountains that are tucked away from normal foot traffic. Because if a fountain is tucked away, it's more likely that people will neglect to clean it or service it when it breaks. I'll be sure to remember that when I'm deciding which water fountain to not drink from. And along those lines, we also learned that it's probably best not to use a particular water fountain if it looks like it's leaking or sweating or if a white crust from lime or calcium has built up near any of the parts where the water comes out. The reason we ought to avoid these kinds of fountains is because all these things are signs that the systems in the fountain that were designed to help prevent contamination may not be working properly. Got it. And we learned that we should probably avoid drinking fountains whose water doesn't come out of the mouthpiece smoothly because something gross could be blocking the flow. Check. And, and, we learned that to be extra safe, we can also try to only use fountains whose water streams squirt straight up and out. Because if the water just sort of dribbles out of the mouthpiece, it's likely that the person before you had to put their mouths mighty close to the spout in order to get at the water. Is that all? No, but we can talk about the reasons why water fountain water is still better than bottled water in a future episode. Okay. So there you have it. It turns out I clearly have a little too much time on my hands now that summer has started. But that's okay, because it definitely will not last. As a final note, you've probably noticed... I feel fine. Despite what we were expecting, all of the things that happened to the fountain water before I showed up asking questions made it less of a risk to my health, not more. Of course, if I turn out to be wrong again, well, that will just have to be its own adventure. As a final, final note, it probably hasn't escaped you that we mentioned the whole fluoride thing and then glossed over it as if there aren't people out there who have a serious problem with the way that fluoride is added to the drinking water. If you are not one of those people, thanks for listening. Feel free to skip to the next episode. But if you are a person who cares about fluoride, this last bit is for you. That was your cue. Oh, right. Cue the fluoride sidebar. Of all the substances that the humans add to their drinking water, fluoride is the most interesting because it's a naturally occurring mineral that is found in ocean water and fresh water and even bottled water and actually comes from rocks in the Earth's crust. The humans have found more than 40 different uses for fluoride products, but none are as lovely as the fluoride crystals found in nature, or so I'm told. A Google image search for fluoride crystals is definitely worth doing, if you're interested in that sort of thing. Okay, well then, that's all for now. Stay tuned, everybody. 
Please tell the other humans to listen to the podcast so I don't have to go back to my day job. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Health Science for the rest of us. If you like what you heard, be a pal and spread the love by sharing this podcast with a friend. If you're not sure how or if your friend just needs some help, you can both get some quick tips from our fun YouTube tutorial. Just tap on the link in the show notes from this episode. To learn more about the show in general or to see some pretty hilarious health memes and videos, stop by our website at healthscienceforeveryone.com. We're also on Facebook in the group section and on Twitter under the name Health Science Podcast. That's all one word. For a limited time, Health Science for the rest of us listeners can save 20% on all NZT products at my online store by entering the promo code DARK42 Tower Beam Sunshine Strain. No, no, no. I told you we're not doing that. My apologies. www.irisspecialtystoreforthingshumansbyclairhealth.com Iris! Sorry. I'm hitting the button now. Is that how my voice sounds? Easter egg time. We plan to explore pH and alkaline water in separate episodes, but if you're one of the humans who goes out of the way to pay money for alkaline water at the store, it may interest you to know that the U.S. Geographical Survey website we use to track hard water across the country also has a tracker you can use to see which drinking water systems are the most alkaline. To find this tracker, and other fun information, visit https colon slash slash www.usgs.gov. Be sure to listen to the end of future episodes for more Easter eggs.